Frontier. This is Football Daft with Stephen Purden. Midfield dynamo and average actor. Chris Toll. Target man. Suspicious character. And... Welcome to Football Daft, the daftest Scottish football podcast around. My name's Stephen Purden and let's welcome the team. First, a man who this day still pines for Scott Sinclair after he scored a World Day for Preston during the week there. It is Chris Toll. What's happening, mate? What's happening, And now, a man who alongside me has went viral with the fans of Villarreal. It is Gredo. Gredo, please explain. That's unbelievable. Remember last year, Bob had in a wrestling promo when I was fighting Ravy Davy, but it was also the day that we were recording a wee advert for like a retro football tap site. I remember it well. You had the Villarreal tap on, you were sitting behind me and all that, and I had the sunglasses on. For some reason, this is ended up on all the Villarreal fan websites, <laughs> and this week, man, they've been pure messaging me every day with yellow love hearts and retweeting us, and please send me a great greeting, uh, Mr. Gredo. I've been getting... It's the weirdest thing ever, man. One, there's one Mr. in Gredo, Mr. Gredo. Aye, man, I've been getting all the Spanish patter. Um, I went and wrote to them greetings, good luck tonight against Sociedad, and one of them wrote back, Padre nos benis a por la Real, which basically was saying to me, Father bless us all for the Real. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know where this is coming about, by the way, because Villarreal are quite a Celtic affiliated side, I, I thought, well, you know what I mean? they don't know any better than identity, all they can see is Pope in the background with a Villarreal tap on. Aye, I've been... They don't have a pair of shoes or something for the real tap. If you were giving it, it was, it was, remember after I was like, mate, that was fucking brilliant. Mate, Danny Garcia is now following you, fucking all these Spaniards, man. Pure liking all my posts. It's a bit like the South Africans. Wait, we Zingu, man. Right, let's get to it, man. What has been happening in Scottish football? Well, we haven't spoken since the following happened. Celtic were beat 4-1 by Sparta Prague. They then went out the League Cup to Ross County. Fans turned up at Park. He'd caused a bit of trouble. Then Neil Lennon was given a reprieve by Dermot Desmond to take charge of the team against Milan tonight. Chris Toll, what do you say to all this, mate? Uh, you know, saying much? Mate, I don't even know where to fucking begin. What time did you get back yeah, up on Sunday, mate? <laughs> After being doing chung fences about in that. Yeah, barricades and that and sharks. Mate, I'm still outside Celtic Park. Park. <laughs> it sounds like you're still at Celtic Park with that mic on, doesn't it? I know. Start standing here outside Celtic Park. Uh, if you'll notice behind me, there's a there's a bit of unrest. <laughs> no, it's Chris fucking nice. Oh man, honestly. <laughs> Chris Nelson. Aye, anyway, <laughs> um, it's a nightmare, mate. It's a... Honest to God, it's, it's some of the behaviour's embarrassing, right? Um, it, there's there's other ways to get your point across, and that's not. And I've, I think there's a there's a lot of entitlement there. Um, Celtic have won everything for the last four years or whatever. They're, the fans have become accustomed to it, especially. And this isn't this isn't a slight, and it's going to make me sound like I say like that, right? But especially the younger Celtic fans that aren't used to through bad times as a supporter of the club do you know what I mean so I'll tell you I see and I know I know folk are saying oh fucking and I've seen that that Neil Lennon 
tweet thing that you you sent into the group chat, John, at the end of saying if you if you uh, never went through the nineties, you're not allowed to complain. Of course, yeah, right. But if people think that's as bad as it's ever been as a Celtic fan, then they need to be strapped in and fucking tilt because. The, the behaviour in them is embarrassing. It's embarrassing the club. It's embarrassing other Celtic supporters. I we all want New Lennon to go, right? I think that's universal across the Celtic support, right? except for a small minority. But there's, like I said, there's ways of getting your point across. Obviously, we can't be in the stadium now. There can't be any any banners or anything like that unless you're standing outside Celtic Park like a fucking fourteen-year-old Tadger. We are we are anyway, a banner saying Lennon out, right? There's, there's other ways to do it. There's other ways to go about it. And it's just finding the other ways because obviously the board aren't listening, right? Which is first and foremost the issue, right? I understand, obviously, Neil Lennon's got a history as a Celtic manager, success and all that. But out of 10 games, having only won two games is not acceptable in Glasgow. It's not. And I think if you use would be the same, see if Gerard went through a blip like that now, I would think that it, people would be calling for his head as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's just it, right. All right, let's. Stephen Gerrard's the flavour of the month now, right? So let's take that out. Right. See if I should have been McCoyst or or Kishina or Warburton. We've went through, going mate. through ten games and only, and only getting two wins. Mate, we've and done it. Do you know? I, done it. I know, but what I'm saying is, do you not? I think the, the calling for his head's justified, but the way that they're going about it is the wrong way. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm wait, 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 put the shoe on the other foot. How would you feel? Be honest. Well, well I feel exactly the same. Aye? We've done it. That's what I'm just saying. It's not that long ago. Kishina was our manager. Murray came in. We were getting pumped left, right, and centre. You were destroying us at fucking Hamden time and time again. We've been through it all, mate, in recent history. So the shoe has been on the other foot for a long time. I know. So you still agree with what I'm saying then? Ah, I agree. Aye, and you're, you don't condone what's happening down there because. Aye, I mean, absolutely that, not. The thing is, man, right, Rangers are playing really well. Celtic are playing really poor. But they're playing really poor. They've conceded like 23 goals in 10 games. They win these two games at home. If things stay the same, it's only five points. I think they say, you're right, it's in, it, there's a bit of... It's winning there, two games in home, Stevie. I know. No, I know, but, no, no, I know. I'm saying, imagine you do win them, right? It's only five points. But I do agree with what you're saying. It's entitlement. It's kind of... It's what I spoke about before. It's a kind of blind arrogance to a lot of Celtic fans now because you've been spoiled that much over the past eight, nine years. Aye. You know what I mean? So it is that, and it's like toys at the pram mentality now, which is, I couldn't believe what I seen in Sunday night. Mm. It was, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was mental. And it, and it was a shark getting on, man. It was mental. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, wasn't it? It was that guy doing flinging a shark. <laughs> we've got some break- before we move on, though, we've got some breaking news that has just come in. I feel like Sky Sports here. Um, SPFL have found Kilmarnock and St Mirren guilty of coronavirus protocol breaches, Oof. which means the Kilmarnock's postponed match versus Motherwell will go down as a 3-0-1 for Motherwell, and St Mirren's wow. two postponed matches against Motherwell and Hamilton will also go down as 3-0-1s to the opposition. Which yeah. Motherwell, Man, have just, Motherwell have just picked up six points for fuck all. Basically. Wow, by the way. They're above selling the league now. No, they're not above selling. I just think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what protocols have broke. That just, to me, sounds like every team's 
trying their hardest, well, at least you would imagine that they are. Look at Newcastle, I think every fucking player's tested positive for COVID. Aye, I think aye. these these point deduction things, again, are a joke. Are they doing that anywhere else now? I think, Grado, from what we're reading here, is that they've, they've, broken, they've broken protocol breaches. They've broken... It's, it's, they've it's not... It down, so aye. Aye, it's so not it's like, not like, aye. oh, you've like 10 the, players, you've not done it right. It's that. like it's somebody's like, obviously been caught fucking... Aye. And being like a house saying, party or like, some shit without making allegations. It was it's something that they're not supposed to be doing. The aye. Players. aye, right. In Newcastle, well. the Newcastle fire game, Newcastle have obeyed the protocols and told the appropriate powers that be, look, we've got fucking players here. Do you know what I mean? Sit mirroring and all that, obviously, haven't he? But, I mean, back to Selic. So what do you think, Tom? Fucking... Yeah, who did you see? Know, who did you there, John? Sit mirroring and who? St. Mirren and Right, so Police Scotland are investigating a report of possible financial irregularities at St. Mirren as well. I can't take a week for St. Mirren, is it not? (laughs) (laughs) Inquiries are at an early stage after the club were made aware of several historic issues following their annual audit. St. Mirren's day recommendations were made and approved by the board before the relevant authorities were contacted. They added the club... You don't know, it pays outfit confirmed it has appointed accountants to carry out a thorough forensic review of its operations to ensure the club's reputation is utterly beyond reproach. And now it's just been breaking news about the fucking protocols. It's at Mirren, imagine a St. Mirren fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, not a good week. It'd be worse, you could be a Celtic fan. <laughs> Oh, man, I kind of feel guilty this week, man. I know, man. Until you're I right. You've had a rough week, mate. I know, mate. You're hamster and you're a hamster, mate. I'm still So, you might just tell the, just in case the fans don't know you, you have, you had a. Aye, aye. What was, was your hamster's name? <laughs> right, we, got, we inherited the hamster, so oh, it was already yeah. called Bell. Right. Right. You'll right. never so walk up Bell. Um, <laughs> One's part of the Celtic family, always part of the Celtic family. That show is dedicated. That show is dedicated to We Bell Toll. We Bell Toll. For him, the Bell Toll. Oh, that's class, actually. That's class, There we go. There we go. So, rest in peace, Bell. We move on now. All right. Fuck you, Thurby. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, mere pressing no, matters. So- An update on Clay Davis from The Wire and his love of Stenhouse Muir in response to the fact that the Warriors get beat 3-1 off Queen's Park this week. What did they tweet, John? He tweeted, She... <laughs> so I thought that, John. It was Queen's Park once for the Stenhouse Muir after 30 minutes. <laughs> By Trump standards, that's a win for the Warriors. She. <laughs> Just for everybody out there that is interested, Clay Davis Watch will continue this weekend as Steny face breaking. So, what's the next week's show? Troops, the football daft open line is on as we invite you on to the show to speak to Stephen Keevans, Graham Guidi, and Chris Delahunt. Last week, Davey was on with an epic story of catfishing, and he's back this week to tell us about his Alan McLaren story. 
and Alex from Trade Mate Sports with some top tips for bookie bashing this weekend. And on the big question, we want to know who is the hardest player to play for your club? And on the show, our Rangers and radio phone-in legend, it is none other than Big DJ, a.k.a. Derek Johnston. Football daft with G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Call them now on 01698 767 172. She's back to bring some festive cheer. It's our G4 Claims angel, Nicole, to tell us about what the guys do over at G4. Nicole, how's it going? Hi, guys. I'm good, thanks. How's everyone? It's good to see you. What can you tell us this week? Something special, something that we don't know about G4 Claims that we've never known before. Right. Let me go right into it then. I was actually going to do that this week, by the way. I know that you prompted me, but there was a thing I was actually going to mention. So... If you've been involved in any sort of accident, um, you should always phone G4 Claims first. And I'll tell you why. Because sometimes you might think something's your fault because someone's told you at the roadside that it is your fault. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the case. Sometimes when you've been involved in an accident, you are in shock. You don't know what's happened. You can't remember. We can always look that up on Google Maps, look at the road layout and where you've been, where they've been, the damage on their car, the damage on yours. That really tells you who is at fault. Normally, um, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. So if you've been involved in any sort of accident, contact G4 Claims. If we can't help you because you've been at fault, we'll not waste your time. We'll tell you. We can help you, but we'll put you in the right direction and guide you in the appropriate way. And if we can help you, then we can provide you with a like-for-like replacement vehicle. Um, We can get your car repaired and approved body shop. And if your car is written off, we will recover the pre-accident value for your car from the third-party insurance. So everything we do for you will be totally free of charge. We bill it all to the at-fault insurance company. If you're injured, we can deal with your personal injury compensation as well. And we do not take a percentage from you like the insurance do. All our services are free to you and we bill everything to the at-fault insurance. So it's G4 Claims. Phone us first. Non-fault accidents made easy. It's Football Daft Open Line, it's the open line where anything goes. You don't have to talk about football, but if you do, you might want to come on and talk about Neil Lennon, you might want to talk about Heart Shock defeat to Al at the weekend, or you might just want to ask Stephen if he's Poppy Stalker in River City, are you? Ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies, John. Right, okay, we'll find out what happens. Stephanie! Uh, Bob's <laughs> Poppy Stalker! It's oh, obvious! <laughs> 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 As usual, we are joined by our panel of football experts, um, and I use that in the loosest fashion. As ever, it's Stephen Keevans, um, we've changed Grado's name to Graham Guidi, and it's Chris. Guidi? He looks like Guidi. He does look like a There's a restaurant in Coat Bridge called Guidi's, and it's dynamite. There is. It's fucking beautiful, I've been. It's lovely. Hi, hi. You might even want to talk about your favourite restaurant in Coatbridge if you come on the old <laughs> line. There you go. Um, let's welcome our first caller, and it is Goshi. How you doing, mate? How you uh, doing, mate? You know, you know, in your van tonight, my man. No, mate, I'm in my work. I'm fine. I put, I, I put my shop and I had to put the shutter down in case any crowd comes in. Do myself, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate. I, I love your commitment, mate. I love it. The I last time in the back of a van, now you put the shutters down. I love it. Goshi, what's your point, sir? 
Right, I'm going a wee bit outside the box this week, and my question's from John. A right. couple of weeks ago, can't remember when it was, I think it was about a week or two ago, and John, you started, you were talking about Real, Real Radio, and John went, oh, I've got something to tell you about Real Radio Renegade. I was like, I'm quite looking forward to this, what's he got to say? And Grado turns around and goes, oh, I'll save that for another time, John. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Did I say that? No, I think he just didn't give us a fuck. I was like, really looking forward to hearing about it, I know. So my question is, John, what were you going to say about Real Radio Renegade? Right, well, have you, are you a wrestling fan, Goshi? Yes, I am. Right, we'll see. I'm waiting for a bit. Guys, I'm away for a push. Right, right. <laughs> the, term phrase, the term of phrase is breaking. I want to do a bit of breaking kayfabe here. Okay, bye. Oh, here we go. But here we go. Right, so with Real Radio Renegade now, I worked in the one... Because real radios were all over the country, and I worked in the one in Newcastle. But I know what happened in Scotland. It was the same thing. See me the real radio renegade. Basically, it was an actor that was employed as the renegade. No one ever got to meet this guy, right? He was that whole part of the kind of mysticism and the renegade. That's true. So no one never met him. There was only two or three people that knew who he was, and we all we just got. You had to just phone up this number and get him on the show and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Explain I, what the real renegade is, just quickly. Real Radio Renegade, if you don't remember what it was, back in the day, it was basically some guy would go out in the street and they'd have a bounty on their head. Aye. Um, and it'd be like, you know, £5,000, £3,000, whatever. And you had to approach everyone and ask, are you the Real Radio Renegade? Oh, are you the Renegade? Are you the Renegade? By the way, did it not go up to like a hundred grand once? random old woman in the street. You're the Real Radio yeah, Renegade. <laughs> now, there was a few things where you had to, you know, and this is for the terms and conditions. If you didn't read the terms and conditions of the Real Radio Renegade, this is where it all kind of makes a gets a bit dubious, right? So you had to say the exact phrase, bang on, or you wouldn't be getting the money, right? That was that was pointed out on air. But, but, the renegade only had to be out for five minutes at a time. Really? So, see, during the bounty period, when it was like they were out, you know, they were saying, da, 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 legally they only had to be out for five minutes at a time. So, wow. if you didn't catch them in that five minutes... That's not a big window, man. No, no, you're pointlessly on the boot. You were, you were going to, you're going to struggle to find him. He was in the area, but he only had to be out for, was it, I think it was five So or essentially, what you're saying is you would need to be listening to the radio in your motor in that cunt street. Pretty much, aye. Pretty aye, much. Oh, aye. No so, aye. So that, that's what I was going to say about it. It's nothing very spectacular, Goshy. Oh, what's the punchline here, my hand? Oh, a, do you know something? I mean, i seen, I, I quite like where Goshy was coming for here. It was outside the box. But now we've got to, and I think Gosh will be feeling the same. It's a bit of a disappointment. There's Aye. A it's a wasted opportunity for Goshy, man. John, could you, could, could you, John, could you not just have like, made something up there? I don't know. <laughs> the real radio renegade was Michael Keaton. I'll let you go and back. I'll let you go and open the shop back up then, pal. Are you I sleeping, mate? Cheers, Goshy. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Goshy. See you later, mate. Right. Next caller on is Jason. There he is. Oh, it's a high B. There we go. It's a Habs fan. How you doing, mate? You don't get many M in the pound, do you? <laughs> no. <I don't laughs> By the way, Jason, see if I had a pound for every time I tell that statement, mama. <laughs> Jason, how's the, how's the season going this year, Tom? Hi, sorry, mate. Sorry, hi. Um, where are you? Are you above us in the week, Jason? What's that? 
Are you a Bobby in the week? A Bobby in the league? Aye. Nah, I does yet, but... Aye, well, it's obviously going better than your fucking season then, isn't it? No, no. He's a break, you. He's a break. You know what, I love no, you. To be honest, Tom, we've actually, we've actually had no bad that we start to the season, you know what I mean? But I thought the true each draw we used was actually quite a good result. But see, looking back at it now, that's an absolute shambles. <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. Man. What I love about this conversation, man, it started off with Tom going... The old friends across the night. How you doing, oh, yeah. my man? Yeah, the Hibs man. The Hibs boy goes, how's your season gone to? Jason, <laughs> 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 you just slag tour. You want to make it? You want to ask a question today? No, no, no. We're going to be good. All right, we've, we'll get. The, we've got the football out of the way. We'll just uh, the big oh, question. Go. Is, the big question is right. Christmas day, dinner. Christmas dinner. What's in the plate? What's not in the plate? Ooh. Oh, that's a question. That's a question. Great, take it away, man. So, I'm doing it like this. Starter. There's two starters here. There's two starters here. Hold on, am I too loud? There's, there's two starters here. Is that an option? It's adding to the atmosphere, mate. I like how loud it is. Um, we're having prawn cocktail right. with bits of salmon at the side in our wee fancy cocktail jar with loads of prawn marie sauce, sauce with paprika on the tap also going to have a wee bit of lemonade squidge on it and a wee kind of underbedding a cucumber tomato and some pepper as well to put on top of it then yeah, after that we're going to have homemade soup homemade soup that was made the night before with a lovely luscious uh, freshly baked baguette sliced up with fucking hunters of larpak on it have a wee breather a wee sit down and then for the main Ready, event I need a breather now mate right. so then, then a wee breather the... man a wee episode of Only Fools and Horses then back in to get your dinner man correct and here's the deal because what I would do this year is if I get a chance I actually want to get a full fucking mega turkey's body right now that you've seen the films because see for the last couple of years it's all been just like turkey crowns and stuff like that. And in actual fact, the last time the that we did, we did get a turkey in the house. My mom got a turkey with, with fucking about 19 lemons shoved up its fanny or its arse, whatever it is, <laughs> you put it in, right? And it totally fucked the tasting of this turkey. It just tasted like lemon and it killed Aww. it. So what I would do, I know. So what I would do is now I'd, I'd get an, a, a, a full turkey, baste it properly, put it in a big massive fucker. Um, also, I'd have uh, roast beef silver side there with loads of gravy. You can, you do, and we're doing it like home and away neighbours. You know, it's on the table and you can pick it as you want. Home um, and away neighbours. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, I just when I think I sit and eating your dinner, that's what they always do. Home and away neighbours. Then I'd. Um, I'd have so I've got my roast beef. I'd also have uh, Coca Cola ham, ham that's been a uh, thing we'd in Coca Cola all day. Um, bring that out, paste a wee bit of honey on it, put it back in the oven. Superb, maybe a wee bit of mustard on it as well. Coca Cola ham. Have I? We're going to have a side plates of fucking loads of day pigs and blanket fuckers. There's going to be about twenty thousand of them. Twenty thousand of them sitting packed up, uh, stacked. Uh, we're going to have Brussels sprouts with wee bits of bacon, fruit and garlic. Tremendous. We're also going to have cheesy tatties, potato dauphinois. So it's got to be tatties with all the cheese sauce uh, put on it. Mashed tatties and all. Roast tatties. Um, fucking fountains of gravy. And then for the end, I've been keen on my cheesecakes recently. But I'm getting to that point when I'm getting sick looking at cheesecakes. So I'd maybe go for an old school gato. Oh, black yeah, forest. Uh, no black forest, mate. Just a kind of, just a gato, an old fucking bifter face on the ninety nine pence. They're the best ones. Um, and then accompanied by some, a cup of coffee and a wee bit of tablet. Oh, 
Nice. <laughs> that's that's nice. Get into that. Oh, parsnips and all. Eat the parsnips. Oh, pars- roasted parsnips. Roasted parsnips as well. Where do you stand in the bird inside a bird inside a bird chat? I am not into the three bird roast. I, I need to tell you the now. I'm <laughs> not a fan of it. I am not a fan of the three bird roast. Does that answer your question, sir? Uh, uh, it's gone over the top, but I will take that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what are you having yourself? I'm here after all. I'm just phone for a Chinese, I think. Ah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I tell you that I don't know if I'm the only one here, but I'm starving after it. (laughs) Jason, thanks for coming on, pal. And the next caller uh, we're going to get onto the show, onto the open line, is someone that was on last week. He left us in a bit of a cliffhanger. Remember (laughs) Davey, who told us about the catfishing? He left us in the cliffhanger. We've got to hear his Alan McLaren story. So please welcome back onto Football Daft, Davey. So. Mate, last week's story was class, but where have we gone this week? Well, hopefully even better, but see, I was weighing up during the week and I was like, is this one just as good? So I'm a wee bit under pressure. I think I've put myself under pressure. Davey, what's the story? Right, so to give the story a wee bit of context, when I was 17, I don't look like I did the new, and I used to be ripped as fuck, and um, I was... Pro youth all my days, but I got offered the chance to go pro in America. So I was like gone for it, chuffed the bits. And uh, the missus that I was with at the time was probably the equivalent of Cheryl Cole, but probably tidier, I would say, even still to this day. And uh, she wasn't going to come with me. So because we were like high school sweethearts, I was like, "Ah, nah, fuck it, I'm not going. And uh, obviously, I chucked away a potential career in professional football. So, at the end of the day, we move on for that, and we fast forward two years. Me and her are no longer together. I've Is this a bird you met in the pub, baby? No, no. She, I still, <laughs> no, no, her. No, her. So, <laughs> so, fast forward two years, me and her are no longer together. I've hit the bevy hard, as you can tell. And uh, there was a charity auction available to play at Ibrooks. So I thought, oh, I fancy a wee bit of that. So I bid it, I won my auction, I got my place. So this charity game, a Rangers home select versus a Rangers away select. So buzzing for it. So the night comes and then we go and you go in the front door and the person who was in the front door says, just make your way up to the, the players' lounge and you'll get escorted up. So... Sure enough, this wee bird comes along and shows you the way. So you're sitting in this players' lounge and all the other guys who have bid it um, are sitting there. And uh, we're all in at this point. And uh, the guy who is Rangers Charity Foundation, I think it's Connell Cochran or aye, something like that. Connell. So, uh, yes. He turns around and goes like that. He says, right, I thank you very much for doing this. You have all bid it on behalf of charity to contribute contribute to the Rangers Charity Foundation and obviously it was uh, football aid at the time so it was like diabetes um, looking for a cure for diabetes so 
Um, he goes, before we go any further and I introduce you to who your playing legend and your playing man, uh, your uh, former manager is going to be, uh, I would like to introduce you to Sandy Jardin. So Sandy Jardin comes down and we're all like, ah, fuck, man. What a proper legend Sandy Jardin is. If it, but never mind Rangers, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Sandy Jardin comes down and he's like, listen, he says, it was my dream to play professional football and I achieved it. He says, all you guys, what you are doing now, contributing money for charity, but to represent Rangers in some way, shape or form, I, I, I tip my hat to you. He says, he's a different class. You show passion, determination, you are representing the badge and don't forget, wherever you go and you're wearing the Rangers crest, you're representing Rangers, so always carry yourself with dignity. So he's getting this massive speech and all like the chills are down your spine before you've even went down to the uh, dressing room. So everybody's G'd up for it. So he finishes his speech and we all go downstairs. So I was playing for the Rangers away select. So um, I was in the away dressing room, unfortunately. But our manager gets introduced and it's Mark Haitley. So you're like, ah, fuck. 1991 to 1994, I would say Mark Haitley was the most consistent player in Scottish football. I thought he was top mm-hmm. class. Do you know well, what I mean? He, was, he, was, he could do anything for a striker. He could do anything. Aye, do you know what I mean? Aye. I know. Do you know what? He was fast as fuck. Aye, and yeah. nobody gave him that. Remember the goal he scored against Aberdeen? He went in the league at Ibrox and he went aye. by that defender as if a guy was standing still. Aye, what man. a player he was, man. So... Then they tell us who are playing. Le- so he was managing the team because he had a dodgy knee. He couldn't play football anymore. So our playing legend was Alan McLaren, right? Right. So right. we're like, ah, right, fine. So he was playing at the back. So we're all sitting in the changing room, all getting ready. And he turns around to me and he says, how oh, we, man? You up for this today? I'm like, ah, I am. I'm buzzing. He says, look at the state of your squad. Every cunt's got fucking tips. They're overweight. He says, you wee man. He says, you look as if you can run. I've never seen you play football before. But can you go box to box? I'm like, aye, aye, aye. He's like, can you go pace? I'm like, aye, aye. He says, good. Because you look about the only good cunt in this fucking team. Right? So I'm like, buzzing into this. But always remember what he said about Paul Gascoigne. Like in the, the game against Aberdeen, Aye, we did the wee, the wee G up, right? Aye. Aye. So I'm like, listen to this, I'm like, I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to run through brick walls for this guy. Do you know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he's got me G'd up before I've even put the strip on. So because it's the um, and I don't know, I don't know if you see like my pinned tweet, but on my Twitter, I've got a pin. I've tweet seen it, mate. You hit the bar. Aye, I hit the crossbar Aye. at Ibrooks, right? Aye. So, also had the post in the game and the goal in our game, I set it up, right? But we get beat 3-1, right? But it was a tight game. Could have went either way, but our goalkeeper was pish, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget his name. He was a guy called, and I hope he's not a, a subscription guy or a patron. It was a guy <laughs> called Hugh Wardrope. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't make this shit up. This is how you know it's a true story. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm like, What's going on? Right. so honestly, it was uh, he let in the first two goals were dodgy, but see the third one. So it was two one, and it was two one for ages. We hit the post, the crossbar, one cleared off the line, dead tight. 
But their third goal, their third goal was offside, right? And it was a mile offside. But obviously the linesman gave it, so it was 3-1. And Al McCann's like that ah, to the linesman. He's like, oh, how are you? And he's like, what? He's like, what level are you? Seriously, what level are you? And he goes like, I'm amateur. He says, aye, your wife already told me that, you fucking prick. Right? What? What? Like, <laughs> what? Like, this is this is how serious it's getting in a charity football game. Right? <laughs> We've seen it to this point. Right? So I'm like, fucking hell, I'm at. This is how serious Al McLaren's taking it. So I'm kind of taking inspiration for that. So sure enough, the game ends 3-1. Our, so the manager of your team go to pick who the man in the match was for you and they get presented with a bottle. So Mark Hately, who had been on his phone all game and wasn't <laughs> really interested in it, right? Mark Hately picked our goalkeeper. And I'm a fan of that. What fucking game were you watching, right? Not even, not even giving a fuck, just coming out and saying it. So we get back to the changing room. And obviously we're beat 3-1, everybody's heads doing and all that, even though you were playing to represent Rangers and all the rest of it. So I'm kind of, everybody's gone for their shower in the communal bath, you know what I mean? Folk aye, are coming that together and lap it up because when's the next time you'll get the chance to play at Ibrox? So I'm kind of holding back because I suffer from WBS. I don't know if you've heard that. No. We Bobby syndrome. syndrome. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to get the shower until everybody else has had one. So I'm hanging back, I'm hanging back, and I'm making sure everybody's been out, and then I go in. Then all I can hear is doof, 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 doof. Again, like the Marvel movies, as if it's like the Incredible Hulk coming towards you. <laughs> a third room, a third room. And Al McLaren's Bobby staring right at me, man. Honestly, God, you have no seen a Bobby this size. There's two things you can see the outer space. One, the Great Wall of China, and the other one is Al McLaren's Bobby. <laughs> you don't look at that. It looks at you. Do you know what I mean? So, like, what the fuck did you do? What the fuck did you do? So I just hear that night. <laughs> right? I just hear that night. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do? So, needless to say, me and that bird that was talking about the start of the story, we didn't last that long because I felt emasculated after seeing all the fun. You know what I mean? So, I felt I couldn't compete as a man anymore. It took me five years to recover for that. <laughs> See, see, for the start of that story, I thought you were going to tell me that Alan McLaren introduced you to his wife and it was a bird that you pumped when you were asleep. <laughs> Honestly, see the back of the and goes, wee man, look at everybody in this room. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Hey, in Wardrop's a common name. There was a goal at the bus for years with the second name Wardrop. That must be a thing. A yeah, there's an honourable mention for the buffs. The honourable <laughs> mention for the buffs. By the way, my question related to that was, should you ever meet your heroes? Well. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. You'd be waving a bobby about in your face, no? (laughs) Fuck's sake, man. That was was a great story, mate. David, honestly, man, that was brilliant. That was fucking brilliant. brilliant, That was... 
You said at the start you weren't sure you were thinking about it. That was better. I, I think that's even better than the catfish. That's definitely better, mate. That was fucking brilliant. We're going to need to hang up an hour hang from next week, my man. What's the story for next week, mate? Oh, well, listen. I have got an our story, but we're no off football related. That's fine. That's all right. Don't worry about See if you've got stories that aren't football related. The only place you're going to phone is a football daft phone in. Well, this is true. I could tell you about the time. Uh, I had a Tinder date and she ended up being a dominatrix, but I don't know how that's going to play out. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to play out. Bro, save that one. I don't know how it's going to play out. How is she still there? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks as ever, mate. Brilliant story. See you next week, mate. See you on the best week. Morning, Rangers. Enjoy your fat, mate. And that's it for this week's open line. We'll have more of your calls next week. At Football Daft, we want to help you with this brand new way to beat the bookies. It's called TradeMateSports.com. The only way to achieve long-term profitability from sports betting is to take value for the bookies. Imagine if your pal told you, I'll give you $50 if this coin lands on heads. But if it lands on tails, you have to give me 40 You would take that bet as many times as possible as your winnings hugely outweigh the outgoings. This is exactly what TradeMate Sports do but they date in sports, Ben. They work in real time to highlight value bets so you can easily beat the bookies. Become part of their community. They've made 5.85 million euros for value betting by starting a free trial, by using the link in the episode bio. Alex for Trademate Sports has made info and some top tips for this weekend. G'day everyone, before I get into my tips for today, I firstly wanted to talk a little bit about how you find value in sports betting. So we've given lots of examples about the coin toss and stuff like that, but how you actually find value is by beating the closing line. So the closing line is the last odds on a game. So let's just say this weekend we've got Manchester City versus Fulham. The last price that you see for Manchester City before the game kicks off. And that price has all of the information of a sports betting match or a you know a football match all into those odds. So, you know, betting syndicates, recreational punters, you know, uh, any anyone or anyone that's bet on that game, all that information has gone into those odds and created that price for Manchester City. So if you can beat that price, that price is the most uh, like accurate way of describing what Manchester City City's uh, odds are of winning the game rather than the price that was maybe two, three, four days ago where no one was really betting into it. So if you can beat that price, that almost ensures long-term profitability from sports betting. It's the only measurement that we can use to, uh, to show that what you're doing or your strategy is successful. So when you find value, it's by beating the closing line. It's not by you know your opinion or um, or if you know whether you think the odds are, are too big on Arsenal or Manchester City, whatever. It's by beating that closing line. So keep that in mind if you're trying to find value by yourself, or at least you know you can try TradeMate Sports and it'll do it all for you. Um, on to the tips now. Two tips for this week in the Premier League. So we've got Burnley versus Everton. We're going for under two and a half in this one and see if you can find odds of at least 1.95 or bigger. Uh, and the other one is Manchester City versus Fulham uh, over 3.75 goals. And that is also, that is at 2.05 odds. So see if you can find that or better. 
Um, yeah, and good luck with your betting this weekend, guys. Cheers. So get involved with TradeMateSports.com right now and support Football Daft by checking out the link in the episode bio or heading to our social media, Football Daft Pod on Twitter, or just playing old Football Daft on Facebook. Let's get bookie bashing. Football Daft with G4 Claims. Find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at G4 Claims Limited. Football Daft's Big Question. This week's big question is simple. Who is the hardest man to play for your team and why? Gredo, I will come to you first. I started going to Ibrox about 1994-95, so I just missed out on Big Dunk. But ever since then, I've always looked at him and thought, he's a guy, man. He's a guy. Sticks he did somebody on the pitch and gets to jail? Oh, because because he did He's that well, hard. He, he battled somebody he, on the pitch and got jail. He's not just that. When he went to Everton, two guys tried to tan his house and they battled fuck out of two of them. <laughs> and this, and this yeah. gunk. Aye, so... I think, I think Big Dunk If you're breaking into MD's gaff, you don't want it to be Big Dunk's, no. don't you know, man? And if you're breaking into Big Dunk's gaff, you need to do your fucking due diligence and make sure he's no fucking in. Know what I mean? I know, I know. Oh, my God. He, he, Duncan, Duncan Ferguson, every time I hang him, Right, I think he Jimmy Bullard. Remember that video? Aye, aye, aye. aye, aye. I, I, it's a, a beauty. Jimmy Bullard looks absolutely fucking terrified, man. Yeah, why not? Um, what about Selick, though? Who's the hardest man to play for, the old Selick? Folk, folk are going to say uh, Bobo Baldi or Scott Brown, aren't they? Scott Brown? I, I don't know. I think I'm... I'm going to go for Arthur Boric. I think Arthur Boric would be pretty fucking hard. Hmm. To be, be, on, to be honest with you. Would that be a shout, no? Nah. John Hughes, he was a big, he was a big tough with Johan Mialbe as oh, well. Aye. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, Yogi, man. For Falkirk, for, for, for me, Yogi's probably there. Yeah. No, Albert hmm. Craig, I don't know if you remember a player, Albert Craig, who used to play for Thistle as well. He like got sent hmm. off one, like, was a tackle, somebody tackled him. And he got sent off. There was a bit argy bargy, and the it was Gareth Evans actually ran up the tunnel at Brockville. Albert Craig sprinted after him and battered fuck out of him in the tunnel. Aye, <laughs> when the two of them got sent off. So Albert wow. Craig's quite hard and all. I, I was... remember that actually. Aye, right. Wayne says Kevin Musket couldn't be trusted to play an old forum game. Get dropped before everyone well at the club. That always comes up as interviews, doesn't it? Kevin Muskett always say that. Aye. Joe says, as an energy fan, we've had loads. He says, uh, Paul Jack, Evan Balfour, <laughs> Sammy Cohen, Jimmy Sanderson, to name a few, lol. He yeah. says. Jimmy Sanderson was hard. John says, Alan Thompson always likes squaring up to Fernando Rickson and got himself sent off a few times as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Greg says, big dunk. All the other answers are wrong. I agree with Greg. Murray says, in my time as a heart supporter, I'd say Pasquale Bruno. Oh, wow. Why, he was... Why, he was a nutcase. Remember was... him? Oh, man. Niall says, Cedric, he pray. Motherwell, he loved a red card. Mm-hmm. John says, probably he did, he did. He was always a red card. You'd see Sky Sports News all the time. Mm-hmm. Red card. Probably soon. Harry Hullock would be up there too. It'd be interesting to see Scott Brown up against any of the two. Stephen says, well, it has to be Terry Butcher. I never thought about that. Um, Derek, yeah. Derek, uh, sorry, Duncan Ferguson, or Sunus, or even, remember this, to Bilal Mojny. Oh, flat <laughs> crackpot, remember him. Who, remember who he... did we have on the show that said you wouldn't fuck with him? Aye, somebody did say Lyle, that, didn't wasn't it? Was it Derek Lyle, so it was. 
Derek Lyle. Derek Lyle's a hard bastard, I know what I mean. That's right, he said that. Martin says one word. Bobo. He was told Bobo. He had a song, they had a song about him that fuck out of folk, didn't they? <laughs> was it no? Bobo's, Bobo's gonna get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Murray finalises today's segment. He says, does Grado count because he played for Rangers technically? Grado's gonna get you. Grado's gonna get you. And that's it for the big question this week in Football Daft. If you want to get involved next week, just get on my social media platforms at Football Daft on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. With a lot. Football Daft with G4 Claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notatfaultclaims.com. Right then, the ProSet playoff is back with piesports.com. Um, with Scottish football fans eating over a million pies a year, we are going to bring you... Pies to your door, thanks to piesports.com. You can get scotch, steak and gravy, macaroni, curry, chicken and chorizo. You can get all at piesports.com. You can order via the website from their pie stall page, or you can give them a call uh, on 0141 739 9999. That's 0141 739 9999. And you can get pies to your door free of charge for the games this weekend. Just check out their website. They've got a bunch of postcodes. If you order on Thursday or you can get them for uh, Saturday for the games and for the weekends. So get your pies in courtesy of them. Um, right, so we normally we use the Pro Set cards. We've got the Pro Set cards from the 91-92 uh, season. But there's been a bit of dissension in the ranks and from the listeners. Everyone's going, oh, it's too old. The players are too old. Oh, we can't do that. Grado's especially been like that and moaning about it for the last month. Well... I mean, I should get to pick because I win it every week. Well, you should get to pick. So we've mixed it up for you. Yes, the champion. Mr. Steve Lee. And this, what we're going to do going forward, we're going to call it the Pro Set Playoff anymore. We're going to call it the Player Profile Playoff. Now, every week then, we're going to pick a different season and then we're going to pick some players from that season in Scottish football. Like we did before, I'll read the the, uh, description of the player Whoever buzzes in first gets to answer. If you do buzz in, no, you're out of the game and the other person gets to keep playing. First to two wins, all right? So, with that in mind, <laughs> let's, play the, let's, play, let's play the game, okay? Um, playing against one of the boys. It's Stephen McCabe. How are you doing, Stephen? Oh, fantastic. Um, who would you like to play today, Stephen? We're going to draw out the name just now, but who would you like to play? Steve Lee says he's the champ. Give me some of him. Oh, that's oh, fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it should be great, though, and it was him, wasn't it? James, man, it should be him first. Up. You're right, oh, Stephen. You're absolutely right, right. Stephen. Right, let's do it. Since he's right, the champion and wanted to change the game. I love Big Gado's attitude, but he's like, right, let's do it. Well, that's quite, Come on, quite let's, cool, let's, Big Gado's oh, like attitude. Okay, so basically, this season, we're going for the 1999 2000 season. So, that's mm. cool. what age were you then, Gado? I was 12. But this was the season that I started watching wrestling. Right. Full so, time. Right, so you might struggle because you, you you on this one. Uh, Stephen, can you remember that season well? Um I, I was ten, so I remember what happened, but Right. Okay. Well fingers crossed he's doing all right with this. Um so I'll start what's your great buzzer gonna be, Grado? Champ. Champ. Stephen. Shy. Okay, so buzz in when you can guess the player, and the first player out of the hat is 
This player initially joined Motherwell from Everton on loan before making the move full-time in this season. In this season, he managed 11 league goals and 33 appearances, but as a small diminutive striker, he was most notable from his, for his time in the Premier League for Chelsea and Everton. Come on, Stop. Stop. Oh, no. Right, Grado, who is it? Nah, fucked it. Nah, go on John Spencer. Nah, correct. It is, mate. John yes. Spencer. 1-0, Grado. Oh, dear. Right, next player. Come on, Stephen. You've got to get this to, to stay in the game. This defender joined his home club hearts at the start of the season after moving from Falkirk. Champ. Grado. David Weir. No, you're out. This, oh. this one could be for you, Stephen. Oh. Hampered by injury, he was only able to make 14 appearances over his two-year spell at the Jambos, however. But as a towering six-foot uh, central defender, he was always a goal threat when he played. I know it. I know it. He went on to play for Airdrie before returning to Falkirk and then had spells at St. Johnson and Ayr. Who uh, is where, Stephen? Am I like come back in? No. Credo, tell me. <laughs> He's not going to get it, is he? Nah, I have say. no idea. Can I, can I take a guess? Because I might be wrong. You can take a guess, but... But you... it's not going to count. Is it Kevin James? It is Kevin James. Oh, well, done. well done. Right, next player then. Here we go. After 62 appearances at Dungey, this Polish midfielder... Chop! Danny Sadamchuk. He was a left back, wasn't he? But is, it, is right. that right? No, he was. You're spot on. <laughs> yeah! Well played, man. It's a 2-0 annihilation, Stephen. I'm sorry about that, pal. That wasn't a good year for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thanks very much. Remember, if you want to get Cheers. prize for the games this weekend, get on to piesports.com. Football Daft with G4 Claims. Find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at G4 Claims Limited. Let's welcome to Football Daft a man who, though played mainly as a striker, could play midfield or defence. As a Rangers player, he made over 500 appearances for the club, scoring 210 goals. He has three league winner medals, five league and Scottish Cup medals, and he has held the European Cup Winners Cup trophy. He is an Ibrox legend. He's a radio legend. It's none other than Derek Johnson. DJ, how's it going, big man? Absolutely great, lads. Lovely to be on your programme. Looking forward to this immensely. DJ, what's this? What's happening with yourself now? Because uh, the last time I checked, have you got a kind of new role at Ibrox right now? What's happening? Well, I, I do an ambassadorial role. You know, right. if there's anything to be done that, that the club want me to do, then, you know, I'll do it. You know, in the last few weeks, they've had the new Rangers tartan that's come out. I've seen know, you the, with a kilt on, DJ. Uh, you're looking great with a kilt on. Things like that. I mean, and it's something that I, I don't normally wear, but I really felt comfortable in it. I mean, the material, right. everything about it is just, you know, absolutely tremendous. So I'm doing <laughs> things like that for them. You know, uh, and, anything well, that's needed to be done by the club that the players can't do at the moment or the manager can't, then I'll go and do it for them. So, And I'm there every home game, you know, along with 13, 14 other ex-players, the likes of Willie Johnson and Colin Steen, Ali Dawson, Gordon Jury. You know, a lot of the lads go around all the boxes at Ibrooks, you know, before the games and after the games and all that. So we're into that as well, just enjoying myself. Keep myself ticking over. Aye, that sounds, that sounds class. That does, doesn't that it? Sounds Bob, doesn't Aye, it? that sounds class, man. That sounds brilliant. If you need them to go away, you Derek, man. You need to get brilliant. You used to, you used to appear doing what I used to do. I've seen you in the blue room. Who, me? 
And also, I must admit, uh, I need to come clean if people don't already know as well. Derek is uh, also occasionally my manager at the Rangers charity games. And uh, I must admit, you don't ever feel keen or comfortable to get me on that pitch, do you? No, listen, you've always got a game, put it that way. (laughs) I with 90 seconds to go. (laughs) (laughs) You you actually actually surprised me with your skill, to be perfectly honest. You might be a biggish lad, the same as me, but... You got no bad touch for an old fella, you. <laughs> I, I remember one time we had been beat after Celtic uh, Legends, like about four or five games in a row, and I think no, we were no, mi- no, no, never, never. Ah, right. Well, you know, you, was- you, you know, we played something like nine times, and we won, we won five four on games for the season. There you go. Right. Well, there at least go. the first couple of games, Celtic were winning because I, I can remember in one of the games we were up, say it was we were maybe winning something like six two and I was like, right, you'll put me on now man, we've got you know, there's four goals between the two teams and you were like And there was only three minutes to go. <laughs> you get me on. The promoter's going like that DJ, you need to get grade on for the wins and he's got ah you'll get you'll get on, you'll get on, you'll get on <laughs> But you, you, you know you know you know what he did as well, he comes on and the first thing he does is wrestle with the centre-halves. Aye, aye, aye. on him and, you know, and backward flips and off. Oh, aye, flips, that's what I did. Aye, the full, the full lot. But they're, they're serious games, though, Grady, weren't they? They're oh, aye, games. very, very serious games. Especially aye, if you're a supporter. If you're a Rangers fan and you see that Celtic shirt, you just want to go there and have a kick, and vice right. versa. But it's all, it's all in the best possible taste. Aye. What do you think of Rangers? Before we get into your career, what do you think of the Rangers this season? I think you couldn't ask for a better start for them, to be perfectly honest. I think I think what he's what Stephen hasn't had, you know, in, in the last couple of years is that is a strong enough squad. He's maybe had a decent eleven, but any injuries or suspensions have struggled with the people who have brought in. You can't say that now. When when you look at that squad mm-hmm. he's got and you look at the bench, I mean it's mm-hmm. just laden with people of the come on, the, the team's not getting gonna get any worse. The team sometimes gets better when he brings the subs on. Yeah, I think yeah. he's, he's he's brought good players in, and now players are realising. I think they've been there for a couple of years. They know what our club's all about. Every game is a cup final. I know it's an old say, yeah. it's an old cliche, but it's a fact. A lot of these mm-hmm. players that are playing for Rangers just now haven't really won anything, you know. And that's the difference between the team from the East End from Celtic. You know, they've they've mm-hmm. got players that have won you know nine leagues in a row and all the trophies. <clears throat> you know, they've won it, so they know what winning's all about. Our lads don't know that yet, but I think they're realising as the months have gone on what it means to be a Rangers player. And if you come into Ibrox, as I was told at first, if you want to be second or third in the league or you want to be fighting relegation, then don't come here. This mm-hmm. is not a place for you. We need to, to breed people that want to come here and win things. And I think maybe that is eventually getting through to a lot of players because there's that bit of consistency now. Now, they, yeah. they can't play well all the time. But the important mm-hmm. thing is, when you don't play well, you win the games. That is so important, and that's what winners are all about. I know Rangers are getting all the praise just now, and they deserve it, 100%. They're doing well, but there's nothing won yet, Stephen. There's nothing well, won yet. Come the end of, of the season, if you've done well and you're winning trophies, then you can say things. I don't want players, the manager certainly won't come out and say they're going to win this and win that. I don't want player even hear any players come out and say that. Rangers should be interested in their own performances. 
Just win the games. There's nothing you can do across the other side of the city. You just mm-hmm. win your own games and let them think about you. We're in the lead and we're wanting to try and mm-hmm. keep that. But keep your feet mm-hmm. on the ground. The, the one word I would use again, as everybody does, every manager will use, is consistency. That's all we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. go out there, do your own thing, work hard, get the result and then look at the next game. Right. I, I think oh, both teams are quite consistent now, aren't they, Derek? Listen, on a serious note with that, I, mean, I can't believe that the stick that Neil Lennon is getting. You know, he's he's the Celtic manager and, and everybody's having a dig at him. But we're now talking about he's, for the last three years, he's won every trophy. I know people would say, well, if it had no competition, does they matter? You've still got to go out there and win games. He's had a bad six weeks, seven weeks or whatever it is. You know, won two games out of 10. But if he wins these games in hand, he's five points behind Rangers. You know, and, and that's surmountable in our league because we've still to play each other three times. And I think I think people in the West of Scotland, especially with the old firm fans, are very fickle. As soon as the Celtic, the Celtic fans for the last few years, all they've been talking about is 10 in a row. 10 in a row all the time. So there, there's a chance now Rangers are ahead that something might change this year. And I think a lot of them can't handle that because they've been so used to winning. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's a challenge for the first time in how many years? Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's got to a few of these supporters. And I was embarrassed for the club when I watched it the other night there when they're outside. You know, shouting at their own players. These players that have won all these trophies for them and shouting at the manager and everything else. This this can change in a second. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. form, form is what it's all about. You're not telling me that all of a sudden Celtic have got a bad squad of players. They haven't. They're not playing well at this moment in time, but that can change. And I'm really, really surprised that the, the manager's getting stuck in. And, and well done to Dermot Desmond, who's listened to these fanatical Celtic fans, to be fair, who are absolutely raging. He's went, no, he's the manager. He's going to take us through that. So far, he's stuck by him. I mean, if, if it continues mm-hmm. the next three or four weeks, then he may well have to do something. But he's given the manager a chance, you know, to redeem himself. And it's you, you can't only blame the manager again. You've got to look at players. It's the same players that have won all these things. All of a sudden, it's not mm-hmm. happening. They've got to get their confidence back as well. But that's as far as Celtic are concerned. The Rangers fans are delighted. I'm delighted where my team is because that's that's all I think about is Rangers. Yeah. And as long as they keep going the way they're going then, it could be a good season. And I stress it could be a good season. Definitely, mate. Definitely. We shall see, man, as the season goes on. But back to you, Derek, your career. So you do you remember where you were the day you, how you felt, whatever you signed for Rangers the day you signed? And how did the move come about? God, I can't remember. No, next question. <laughs> uh, no, I, I remember it. I remember it very well. I mean, my family was all Dundee United fans. I mean, I got six brothers, and as I keep saying, I can't, I can't get it through my head. My mum said she had seven boys, but I only had six brothers, so I could never ever work that. We all played football in the garden, in the street, and everything else, and uh, you know. I was probably the third best player in, in, in my family growing up because all my brothers played and there were some, they played junior football. They never, ever went mm. senior. I was fortunate mm. enough but because I was quite tall when I was 13, 14. I was, I was nearly six foot, you know, so I stood, I stood above a lot of players that I played against. So you would stand out, especially when you were scoring goals as I was doing. Mm. 
You know, and, and you know, a lot of clubs. I was I was down at Aston Villa. I was down at Liverpool. I was down at Arsenal. Uh, Celtic wanted me. Big Jock Steen was in my house, wanting to sign me. Really? You know I mean? Yeah. Mm. He, he came into my house and uh, said, "Would you like to play for Celtic?" And my second oldest brother, Bobby, he was looking after me. He may well have been the first ever agent. And he, he <laughs> said, to him, "He said, well, Mister Steen, he says there's there's a few clubs interested in him, but would there be any money involved? Because you know we were." We were a, my, my father had died when I was 10. And it was my mother that brought the seven of us up. You know, it mm. was very, very hard going. And mm. my brother said, would there be any signing on for you? And Jock said, no, we've just won the, the, the European Cup. He says, we don't pay players to come and play. You've got to want to play for Celtic. And he gave it that. And my brother said, well, look, no problem. He says, we'll get in touch with you. So mm. Jock went away. And 10 minutes later, the car at the door and the Ranger scout came in. Oh. And Tommy Gray was his name, and, he, and he'd, he'd said to my brother, he says, I have not to leave your house until you sign for the Rangers. My brother says, well, yeah. that's entirely up to you. He says, uh, "He says, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He says, I know Jock Steen was here because I was down at the bottom of the street and I saw the car leaving. <laughs> he, say, he says, I know he would offer you an awful lot of money, so what we are prepared to do is... <laughs> I'm, 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 and I was just about to, to jump in and say... Well, no, he wouldn't have given him. He would never believe what he'd offered us. We couldn't believe it. He says, well, what we're going to do is, and we're now talking about 1968. And he says, well, Derek, we'll give you £2,000 and we'll give your mum £2,000. Now, wow. £2,000 was, was over a year's wages in 1968. Wow. I mean, it was just mega, mega money. Aye. And my brother, my brother said to me, what do you think? I says, I'm signing for the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it was as simple as that. And then two or three weeks later, you know, I was in at Ibrox training and uh, and that was it, met all the lads. And I just absolutely loved it. I'd never been out of Dundee in my life. Mm-hmm. And they got me a, a train ticket for a six-monthly train ticket. So I went through most weekends and all the holidays and everything else. And I just really loved through in Glasgow. I just loved it. Uh, I stayed with a boy called Derek Renton, who was another, he was two years older than me, but he'd been playing in the third team. I remember saying to him one day, I said, how long will it be till I get in the third team? He says, well, how old are you? I says, well, I'm 16. He says, well, it might be two or three years before you're in the third team and maybe give it an hour two years for the second team. And the time you get the first team, you're maybe talking seven, eight years. So you'll be sort of mid-twenties before you get a game. And fucking three Aye. months later, I'm in the first Aye, exactly. <laughs> it, was, it, was as, it was as quickly as that, simply because that was the era, if you remember, that Celtic were halfway through their nine in a row. Aye. They, were the, main, they mm. were the main team and Rangers were toiling. So I, I got my chance very, very early, simply because of that. Aye, Do you think that, uh, that it's a lot of, like, you came in when you were 16, do you believe if you're good enough, you're old enough? Yeah. Or do you, do you think in this like, day and age, they maybe need a wee bit more? Like I think I think John Gregg said J- John Gregg said to me when I went in there, he says, You're a big lad for 16, because I was built like a man. You know, when you're six mm-hmm. feet, you know, I wasn't as heavy then. I was maybe about just just under ten and a half stone, which wasn't bad for a young lad at 16, but mm-hmm. I was built like a man. He says, so you can handle the physical pressure that goes on uh, in our game. You know, whereas I, I remember watching Wayne Rooney making his debut for Everton against Arsenal at 16. 
And we're mm. Rooney, even he's the same size now as he was. Aye, then. that's right. Aye, he's aye, that's true. Aye. solid, you know, and strong. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think if, if you've got the physicality, physicality, then why shouldn't you be? You know, 16, 17, if you're good enough to go there and, and, and you can score gold and you can play, you can handle yourself, then why not? Like, when you go to, like, obviously you score the goal in the League Cup final, Derek, you're only 16. Uh, is it right? Is it Willie Waddle's manager then? Willie Waddle was, yeah. Uh, did, yeah. did you know you were playing? How Did you know in advance you were playing or was it just sprung on you? After training, after training on the Friday, and, and these days we didn't go away. Some nowadays they go away down to Largs or wherever overnight, you know, so the players mm-hmm. can all get peace. Nobody's phoning them for tickets or anything else. You used to go home, and I went home that day. I was just, I was just about to go out the front door into the taxi, and, and Jock Wallace and Willie Waddle dragged me into the the boot room and said, "Look, there's four tickets. Bring your family tomorrow. You're playing. <laughs> Sorry, you're playing." I says, well, you'll need to give me six tickets because I've got six brothers. <laughs> and, his, and his words to me were, and pardon the French, was fuck off. <laughs> but, but, so I, I took the tickets home. I, I can remember go through, going back on the train and it was the 10 past one train from Queen Street to Aberdeen, which stopped at Dundee. And the, 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 there was a boofy train on it. And the man in charge of that was Dennis Law's brother, whom really? I got to know throughout the year, right. th- throughout the months that I was there. And uh, he was a big Rangers fan. And it, and I told mm-hmm. him that I was playing and he couldn't believe it. I actually got mistaken chips for nothing that day. He says, that's what you're getting. I need to build you up for tomorrow. He gave me mistaken chips for nothing, which, which was great. And he was telling me that Dennis was a big Rangers fan as well, because right. he, he, he loved Jim Baxter. That was his hero. Right. So obviously right. the Baxter, the Rangers thing, that was it. But I remember eating and that was it. I just can't remember the rest of the journey. I went in and told my family and they all they all enjoyed that. And eventually my mum and my and the second oldest brother came through and there was another couple that I gave the, the tickets to because my brothers wanted to listen to the game on the radio. It wasn't on, never on the telly live. It was always right. on the radio in these days. But, you know, we were supposed to meet at Ibrooks at half 11 on the Saturday, have lunch and then, you know, get the team talk and then go to Hamden. I got there at, I think it was round about between half nine and quarter to ten. I mean, I had, I, I think I opened up Ibrooks that morning. There was nobody else there. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't want to be late, you know, simply ah, because course, you know, the train broke down or whatever and I was late. So I made mm. sure I got there early. You know, and, and the rest is history, really. Just going out there and Greggy and, and Alex McDonald were brilliant to me and Sandy Jardin. You know, they, they talked me through it even before it when I was nervous. And we'd, 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 uh, we'd got there and went into the dressing room and it was half one. Remember, it's the three o'clock kickoff. And I was ready at 20 to two with all my gear on. <laughs> we hadn't even been out in the park to see it first. And Greggy says, get your gear on. I had to go and put all my gear on again and go outside onto the park. <laughs> but that, but that's, how, that's how excited I was. It, you know, it was, it was just great being there, 106,000. At the game that it's day, mental. you know, it, you couldn't hear yourself think, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. And the thing was, I couldn't celebrate with the boys after the game because I was only sixteen. I say, I, and and I, I was heading for Iceland the next day with the Scotland under eighteen team. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, John Gregg's uncle, I went and stayed with him the night, and right. then he drove me to the airport. You know, went away, and I couldn't believe it because one of the the first pe- people I met. It congratulated me was Graham Soonis. 
really? Right. He, nice. He's he's a couple of months older than me. And he was a, he was right. the captain of the the under eighteen Scotland team. So that's right. when I knew him. I knew him way way back then. That's interesting, what? man. That but, is. See, you're, what happened after that in terms of Derek? You're, you're switching positions, playing at centre half. How did that come about? Was it because of your size? No, it, it was funny because we were playing. I remember. Uh, I mean, Jock Wallace and Willie Wardle used to come to the older reserve games as well. We were playing down at Somerset Park. We are playing here United, and mm-hmm. it was a reserve game. I'd, I'd been injured for a couple of weeks, and he, he, he always came back uh, in the reserves to get to get some game time. And Colin Jackson and, and Ronnie McKinnon were playing because they were coming back from injury as well. So I was on the bench. I was sat on the bench in the reserves. And within 10 minutes, Colin Jackson got injured again. So he's coming off and, and, and Willie Waddle said to me, have you ever played in defence? I says, Gaffer, I don't mind where I play. If you want me to play in goals or play, I just want a game. He says, well, mm-hmm. go on and play centre half. And that was the first time I'd, worn, you know, I'd, I'd played at the back for Rangers. And he couldn't believe it because I was I was taking the ball off the goalkeeper and coming out and wanting to come over the halfway line and pass it. He says, you don't, dude, you're a defender. You don't come over the halfway line, except if we've got a corner or a free kick or something. You go up. But I, really, I just really, really enjoyed it. And, it, and it, that was the first time I'd played it seriously. I said, I played at school now and again. Uh, in centre but It's the first time I'd played for Rangers. And, and he said to me after the game, you know, that's a great thing to have. He says, because if you can't get a game up front, you've every chance now of getting a game at the back. Now I know that you can play there. And that that worked exactly the same in midfield as well. As as the years went on, uh, playing me in midfield as as a man marker. You know, that that was that was that's what he saw me as, just marking somebody else out of the game. So it was great. So I had three three chances of getting a game, either up front at the back or in the middle. And that's what disappoints me nowadays when I see young kids playing and the the manager picks them, oh, I can't play right midfield, I'm a centre mid. Never mind. If the manager Aye. thinks you're good enough, just go Aye. and play. It's the matter where mm-hmm. he him. If he wanted me to go in goals, I would go, as I did go in goals. I played one game in goal for Rangers. We went really? over to Canada and America uh, after the season finished for a month uh, to play lots of teams out there. And big Peter McCoy got injured and so did Stuart Kennedy. So the gaffer <laughs> says, does anybody want to go in goal? I says, I'll go in. <laughs> and I think we won three nothing. So I'm the only goalkeeper I think it's bleeding gold and never lost a goal. <laughs> amazing. Hundred percent clean sheet record. That's clean amazing. sheet, Ags, exactly. Another record. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, Derek? What's, see in that um, era in football? What was the sort of lifestyle like back then? Obviously, now we've got the mega wages in football, and it's. People going about it, but what exactly was it like in this in the seventies, early eighties? Well, the way the wages were well, the wages wages were good. Don't get me wrong for that era, but we weren't, we weren't earning much more than than a gas fitter or an electrician was making. You know, if they were making twenty five pound a week, we were getting thirty five. You know, well certainly I was. Maybe Greggy at that time and, and Sandy Jarden, people like that that were experienced would probably get more. But that but that was my first wage. At 16, when I signed a new contract, I was on £25 a week. You know, and after, after the two years was up, I was on 60 You know, So the money was going up, but it wasn't massive. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays, when you're looking at the thousands they're getting a week, even youngsters, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But we, I just I just wanted to play football. It was a job to me because mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. giving my mum a few quid, you know, for the house, you know, for the messages and to pay the rent and everything else. And it was good. I was just enjoying 
enjoying myself coming through on the train and training and playing the games and coming home again. It was it was just it was just really really good. It was only once it got on to the late seventies. You know, I, we were talking about nineteen seventy eight when when we went to Argentina with Scotland. Uh, so I'd been playing eight years basic basically, and my, my wages were probably about hundred quid, hundred and twenty mm-hmm. pound a week by then. You know, then you would you would go on you would go to Argentina and you're sitting beside uh, some of these English lads. You're talking about on five and six hundred pounds a week, mm-hmm. seven hundred pounds. You know, things like that. You're going, how on earth can you, you get that? And that's why right. all the lads from the the seventies and that all went down there right away because the wages were incredible, even more so now. Right. I mean, they're decent now up here in Scotland for for the old firm. You know, for certain players, it's good wages, but still down south. There's people there mm-hmm. making 10, 20 times more than players right, that are course, playing right. for, for Rangers and Celtic. You know, so but money money was never a big thing for me. Later on in life, when in, uh, and when you got to your mid twenties, you realise well, I like to buy a flat, but never really had enough money to buy a flat. You know, and that's mm-hmm. when you started thinking, well, wonder if the club's going to give me more money or am I going to have to leave? My contract was up in nineteen seventy eight when I came back from the World Cup, and. Uh, was my was my contract Colin Jackson and Sandy Jarden the three of us and uh, we were in seeing Willie Waddle and he was saying no he's, you're not getting any more money why don't you sign the two year deal there were no agents in mm-hmm. and eventually the three of us all signed for £10 extra a week <laughs> £10 extra a week and there wasn't even a signing on fee that is mental but not even a signing on fee nothing no. just an extra ten and a week w- Wally Waddle was like that we called him the Chancellor that was him <laughs> <laughs> kept all the money himself never gave it to the players that's for sure <laughs> Wally Waddle the Chancellor Derek talk us through obviously your 18 European Cup Winners Cup what, how did I mean 16 year old scoring against Celtic in the League Cup Final 18 year old European Cup Winners Cup medal I mean what was that like winning the final for Rangers well it was I think I think we realised halfway through the season we were struggling in the league for some strange reason. You know, we're, we're a good side, but Europe was the one that took our fancy that year. And mm. we never ever thought we'd get to the final, but with a couple of good results in the first couple of rounds, and remember, I think we only played about six games to win it in mm-hmm. these days. Uh, it was all knockout. And, uh, you know, the, the league sort of went for us. We were beaten in the two cups. All we had left was Europe. So I, I mm-hmm. think the lads had resigned themselves to saying, we'll put all of our eggs in the one basket. Let's let's go for this. And for some strange reason, you know, it, it paid off. I I played in, I think it was four of the games leading up to the final. I played in the semi-finals, again, the, the two games against Bayern Munich, which I feel even to this day, and even though we won the, the cup uh, in, in the final, I think the semi-final against uh, Bayern Munich Ibrox is the best game I've ever played in Aye. and the best atmosphere as well but the cup final itself I was maybe a wee bit fortunate to play maybe a wee bit fortunate because remember uh, Ronnie McKinnon broke his leg mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals against Sporting Lisbon so he was out for the season Colin Jackson got injured uh, a week before the end of the season an ankle injury and he was really toiling he didn't train or anything before the final and the, the boss had said to him Look, I'm going to give you up until the last day you know, to see if he'll pass a fitness yeah. test. And I remember him going out in the morning of the game and uh, we didn't see him and getting the fitness test, but Jock and Willie Waddle came to the room. I was rooming with Greggy, single beds. 
and, uh, <laughs> he just came in. He says, "Look, get a good sleep this afternoon because you're playing." And it was, right. I thought it was a great feeling getting picked for the, the League Cup final. But nice. uh, to be in a European final, Christ Almighty, it was mm. incredible. So obviously, I never slept a wink. To be fair, but Davy Davy Smith for me was the man of the match. And I mean, we went out into the pitch, and he talked me through the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the greatest thing he said to me was, "Listen, whenever the ball comes up to the striker, try and get in front of him, take the ball off him, or if the ball's in the mm-hmm. air, go through him, win that ball in the air, because if you miss it, I'll be at your back." And that aye, was all aye. the confidence I needed. That gave me the right to go mm. and try and win the ball, knowing mm. he was at my back. And if you remember that night as well, he set up two of the goals going mm. forward. I mean, not only a great sweeper and a great defender, aye. but, you know, could set up goals as well. It was it was just surreal. I mean, after scoring the three goals and the fans coming on after the goals, I mean, it was it was incredible. I think the game must have lasted about five hours by the time we all got <laughs> off the pitch and we got started again. It was fantastic going three nothing up, but and again the gaffer said, "Look, it's half time. You know, just Aye. keep your concentration." Well, I lost a, a soft goal, a soft goal, a stupid goal, and then about eight nine minutes to go, we lost the second. There was never any panic. I think Greggy mm-hmm. sorted everybody, and so did Sandy. They never really created Aye. after that. We saw the game out, but a fantastic feeling as well to be the only Rangers side that's ever won a European trophy. You of know, course, mate, of the, course. I never thought it would be 50 years and they still hadn't won them. They'd been Aye. in the final, but not won them. But, but I remember Wally Waddle saying to us in the dressing room, he says, you know, they'll be talking about this game in 50 years from now. And we went, Aye. yes, so they will, 50 years. And there you are. Oh, there two, we two, exactly. years to go for it, two years to go for it and uh, we're talking about it again. There's going to be a big do and everything else. Aye. Which is going Aye. to be fantastic. Bye, bye. I bet you didn't think you'd be talking to us three arseholes about it after 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, listen, absolute pleasure to talk to you, lad. Great to talk to football people. Football people all of them. Exactly. Would you say, obviously, Derek, that's the greatest moment of your Rangers career? Yes. Well, to win the Aye. European Trophy, I mean, until another Rangers team does it, you know, you're unique. These 11 players will go down in history, you know, ah, as far course, as the definitely. football clubs are concerned. 100%. And that's it. And listen, and I hope you know a Rangers team does win a, a European trophy because right. I want to see that. But uh, right. yeah, it has to be. I mean, there's been many great, as I said, the Bayern Munich game was fantastic. Probably the best game I've played in, but to actually win the final and, and win the trophy was magnificent. Still right. got the medal up the stairs, treasure it all the time. Brilliant. Brilliant. Superb. Yes. But see, what I wanted to ask you was... Um, because you had two spells at Rangers. How did your, your your first spell at Rangers come to an end? What what happened there? And you didn't you played with Chelsea. What was the, the deal there? Well, what happened was Graham Souness. <laughs> Aye. Really? Graham Souness's first words to me were you're freed. Really? I said, well, well, thanks very much. That was very kind of you, Mr. Souness. But no, he was building a side, remember. You know, we, we, we were right. down at the depths then. And uh, they, they brought him in and they were going to give him money. He knew that. And uh, he was going to build the team. So all the old ones, I mean, I was 29, 30. I had a few injuries, I, 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 two dicky ankles as well. I was having to get strapped up for training, never mind playing right. games. And he looked around and there was maybe five or six players from that squad. He just let them go. Yeah. And, that, and, and that was it. The only, I think the only one that he, he kept that was older was big Peter McCloy. But he, mm-hmm. he wanted them there, you know, to, to do the goalkeepers and whatnot and everything else. So he was getting a job there. But that was the most disappointing thing in my life. You know, you just, you, you, I'd been there for the majority of my, my footballing career. 
to eventually it comes to an end. You know, it was it was, mm. it was incredible. Mm. And then to be fair to Chelsea, you know, they've they've taken me on. Uh, and what they said to me there was he says we're, we're short up front and at the back, so you'd be a good player. He said, I'm no guaranteeing you first team games. He says, but you know, mm. if, if needed, then you'll certainly be on. So I, I was glad mm. to go down and play for a club like Chelsea, who were in the old second division then, right. Chelsea. Right. Uh, and uh, when I was there, we got up. And remember, the first division was the, the top division. Aye. It was just division one, two, three there. So when mm-hmm. I, we got to the top division the year I was there, uh, and, and they've been there ever since, they've never gone down again. But I enjoyed myself at Chelsea, but you don't realise how good a club or how big a club Rangers is until you leave it. Until you leave. We went down there and their training facilities were terrible <clears> for a, <throat> a team like Chelsea. I mean, they're, they're probably the best in the, in the world now, training mm-hmm. ground. Because in the mm. man that's in there, he's got plenty aye. of money to spend on it. Aye, but it wasn't aye. then. But uh, and, and I was doing there staying next door to big Joe McLaughlin. He used to play for Morton. He was a centre half aye. at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And a boy called uh, David Speedy. He was oh, aye, David, Speedy. David Speedy. He's, he played aye. for Chelsea as well. So it was him that kept me out of the team. Him and a lad called Kerry Dixon, who was the striker as well. So they're, they're a decent side. I, I never played all that many games. And eventually, when, when, when Jock came back in, he got me up the road. And what he said to me was at Rangers, he says, listen, I might, I might not play in the first team again, but I want you to play in the reserves and try and bring forward all the young players that we've got in there. I said, mm-hmm. absolute pleasure to do that, Gaffer. And I did that mm-hmm. for about two months, and then Big Jock got the sack. Well, wow. so, so, Derek, you know, at the end of your career, you, you toiled a wee bit with, with management, but you've spent most of the last... A couple of decades in media. <laughs> what was <laughs> sorry, make you feel older? A couple of decades. Spent the last couple of decades in media. Was, it's, um, it's, it's actually thirty years. Ah, there you go. Hey, three three you? decades. You three decades. I mean, is that something that was offered to you? Was it something yeah. that you you had in mind, or you just took the ball and ran with? Well, I, I didn't have it in mind, but I was doing a wee bit before, when I was still playing. You know, right. we didn't have a game on a Wednesday night, and there was a game on. Uh, Radio Clyde Richard Park was the main man at Radio Clyde and he's the name Richard of you Park, name. but uh, Richard Park was yeah. the main man he fronted the programme Jerry McNee was there doing Jerry the McNee and I used to, oh, I used to Jerry McNee you are a guy I used to do wee bits for them on a Wednesday so when I finished the, the first people to come in to me was, was Radio Clyde mm-hmm. would you like to join us and I went oh absolutely brilliant so yeah. if you're not playing it at least you can talk about it Exactly. So I enjoyed that, as I say, for nigh on three decades. I did that and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Who was your favourite pundit to work with, Eric? Well, I enjoyed working with Paul Cooney, believe it or not. Okay. Paul back Cooney at and I worked for maybe 10 radio, years I... together on the radio. He was he, he fronted the programme. But, you know, Kivo's been there for longer than me. He's been there about 35 years, Hugh yeah. Kevins. And Hugh, Hugh's down the line. I mean, a lot of people give him the, the, the Celtic stuff. And yeah, he probably is a Celtic fan. But at the end of the day, every pundit's a fan of one club or, other, or another. Mm-hmm. It's as simple exactly. as that. And Hugh, uh, you, Hugh didn't, you didn't get any football as a, to be a pundit by no being a fan of somebody, you know what I mean? You've, yeah, you've grown exactly. up with the game. Yeah, you're right. Same with referees. Referees, when they're younger, when they were 10 and 12, didn't want to be a referee. They wanted to be a footballer. Mm-hmm. So they played, so they had a team. And all of a sudden you become a referee, so you had a team. you know. And mm-hmm. that's why I feel for a lot of referees, because there's so many referees get called, you know, your blue nose or your green nose. You know, 
man, they just accept it nowadays. They, they, they just get the job done. I might hurt inside of if some of them are a supporter Aye. of one of the clubs, you know. But uh, it's, it's one of these things. They do their job, and that's it. You're always going to get criticised out there, no matter what you do from some Aye. people. You get any kind of memories of a crazy phone call that you had with the phone, and have you ever had like any kind of that? You know what I mean, one that really stands the, 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 out. You go, that's a nutter. Well, you, well, there are plenty of them. We've got plenty of them over on the program. Never mind. There, there was one phone phone, and it was great. It was it was uh, an old firm game at, at Ibrooks, and uh, we, we're, we're choosing our man of the match, and uh, I think we all went for for Andy Gorham. He'd had one of these games where he was outstanding. Man, I'm Andy Gorham. So we're going to the open line. This boy comes on from Govan and said, uh, I cannot believe it. You gave the man in the match to Andy Gorham. He said he'd one or two saves. He said, but that's what goalkeepers have to do. That's their job to save it, to save the ball. He says, how on earth can you give it a goalkeeper of that? He says, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. There was far better players that were playing on the day rather than Andy Gorham. So Hugh said to him, well, the, the usual saying, well, were you in the game? He went, no, I was just listening to it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, said, Hugh said to him, how, how do you know? If you weren't there and you were only listening to it. He says, well, you asked us to phone in and see who our man of the match was. What am I supposed to do? Sit here and say fuck all? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 remember, so remember on radio there's a seven second delay so as soon as he squares the wee boy presses the button so the last seven seconds is gone so you don't hear it but we do but we do so That's it comes growing. back to us after the seven seconds is up we are all laughing like hell so people are in there going what are you laughing at <laughs> he doesn't know what we've heard but there's a lot of people like that. I mean, whoever fronts it, it's always got to have his finger on the pulse there. I bet you. Something does swear or say something bad, especially nowadays. I know. They can't <laughs> say anything. No, they'll, they'll, just, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just put them off if that is the case. Aye. That is brilliant. <laughs> well, DJ, honestly, it's been brilliant listening to you, mate, but the time has come for a quiz. Are you up for it? A quiz? Right, okay. Aye. John Sutton and Chick Young are joint top with 15 We've got Mark Wilson, Keith Lasley, tucked in behind with 14. We've got a good Dr. Kenny Joker and Kevin Harper just behind in third place with 13. Other selected scores include Murdo McLeod on 10, Jonathan Watson on 9, Bob Malcolm on 6, and Falkirk Which... manager David McCracken is at the bottom on 1. Is there anybody one you want to be there? Hopefully I get 2. Hopefully I get 2. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so no, we're, putting the, we're putting 90 seconds on the clock, Derek. You can't pass. You must give an answer, oh, no, all right? I be able to pass, because if you can't think... Can't pass. Can't pass, mate. Can't right, pass. see the thing is, Derek, see, see if you don't know the answer, just say anything. Uh, right, just that. give any sort of answer. That's ex- that's basically a pass, mate. All right, okay. Exactly. All right. exactly. Great, do you want to ask your questions, mate? Let's do it then, mate, to just see if there's anything that you mispronounced. No, we're all right. Okay. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, seconds, John. Yep. And time starts now. Who is the current manager of Sheffield Wednesday? Jim Denny. What are Albion Rovers' home calls? Home. What was that? What are Albion Rovers' home colours? Uh, red and white. Dundee United bought Lauren Shanklin from which club? Air United. Who played in goals in the 1970 League Cup final with you? Peter McCoy. 
In what league would you find East Stirlingshire? In the second division. In what season did you win the treble? 76. And which club are nicknamed the Bees? The Bees. Brentford. Michael Palin supports which Scottish club? Rangers. Who is the current manager of Forfar? Uh, Archie Knox. <laughs> Fourth Bank is the home to what team? Sorry? Fourth Bank is the home to what team? Third Lanark. Time! <laughs> We'll go through the wrong answers, will we? <laughs> <laughs> Current manager of Sheffield Wednesday is Tony Pulis. Um, Tony Pulis. He just joined them a, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Albion Rovers are red and yellow, not red and white. Um, right. East Stirlingshire are in the Scottish Lowland League now. Derek, I, I, I've got down here, and I can't believe this is... this 77, 78 season was when you won the treble, is that right? 76, 77. Was it 76, 77? Yeah. Right, there we'll go. Take that. There go. There That's there a point for Derek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Palin supports Dennis Muir. Um, there's always a Dennis Muir question in our uh, questions. Right. Um, Jim Weir's the current manager of Forfar, and Fourth Bank is the home to Stirling Albion. So you got four. Four. Oh, hey. Okay, that was good, Glenn. Oh good. my god, I was pissing <laughs> myself oh, there. Me oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. I appreciate you coming on, mate. Thank uh, you so much. You're amazing. very welcome, lad. Thanks, Derek. That was, that was good quality. Take care of DJ. Hopefully, see you soon, big man. All right, take care. All right, Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident. Get them now at notatfaultclaims.com Hey Troops, big DJ, could talk all day, great guests, great stories, had a great time of day, what about yourselves? DJ was brilliant man, you can, you can definitely tell he loves getting into it and telling stories man, it's always good to hear about the old olden days and stuff like that, but that was a cracking story told us about Radio Clyde, the phone in man, he must have got some peaches, it'd be good to get, it'd be good to get a week in a... Because I think we all like the old football phone-ins. We could have like, a football phone-in special, right? Aye. And we get all players to come on and tell us about their most mental call. Here, I'm just thinking, boys, it's running up to Christmas. You know, we've not mentioned it in a wee while, but I think this is the time for giving gifts. So why not give your gift, the loved one, of a football daft t-shirt this festive period? <laughs> Wouldn't it be seen Dean one, but when you go... You know, shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash football daft. You'll get loads of football daft merch up there that you can buy for your loved ones for Christmas. And while you're on the old internet, why not sign up to the Patreon as well? You can buy it, sign up for a year, patreon.com forward slash football daft. And if you sign up for a year, you get 10% off. Oh, what a brilliant that. gift that would be for Christmas. You'd get to see Aye. all the outtakes, you get to see the teammates with Derek Johnson for the day, you get all the bonus podcast. What a brilliant gift that would be. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, I'll tell you what, it's been a cracking day the lot of these, but I'm fit was good now, man. I'm looking forward to both games tonight. Both teams uh, representing Scotland in the coalition tonight. So it will be good. <laughs> what the fuck you call it again? The coalite? What is it? The coefficient the coefficient the tonight is on the line. So, as I say, I'm going to get this uh, old podcast wrapped up, get a couple of beers, sit. I'm up early in the mornings, but uh, good luck to you tonight, Toe, and good luck to you tonight, uh, Bob. And uh, who are Falkirk playing at the weekend, John? Playing Peter Heed. 
tell you there, man. Fuck, man. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. Get it up him. <laughs> Stop being sectarian, John. Anyway, so before you go, have you got uh, something for us? I know you've had a tough week and all that. You've, uh, you know, things have happened at the house and stuff like that. But uh, are you prepared to tell us your, your big brother story this week? Listen, mate, it's, the game kicks after an hour and a half and I've got to walk through snow to get to the shop. So I'm, a, I'm afraid of... How do you cope with snow? Same as everybody else does. Put one fucking foot in front of the other, you prick. Just subscribe, Twitter, whatever. Bye-bye. Roll the titles. Audio Frontier.